word and we're going to go to the gospel of john john chapter well we're going to two portions of scripture genesis chapter 3 and then john chapter 12. amen keep playing for me just for a second sister Lichtel. just because it sounds better you know you know but what an amazing job the musicians the singers did to lead us into the presence of God I mean they were getting Joseph did you see him slapping that bass and just kind of doing this number I'll take that any day amen thank God for the people of God but here's the thing I feel anticipation in this house not just from God's people but I feel like there is a just a anticipation in the heart of God that he could not wait to do what he's about to do in this place because he knew you were going to be here and he knows exactly where you are and he knows exactly what you need it doesn't matter if this is the first time that you've ever come to the house of God maybe it's your second your third but you're still a guest hear me God he's wanting to heal he is wanting to move on your behalf so if you would be so honest right now with a show of hands how many have come in this house and you have a need and it doesn't matter how small it is or how great that need is look all over this house people have needs all over this house God is about to meet us at the point of those needs because you took a step of faith just coming here and I believe that God is going to heal in this house. But he's going to heal in layers. So we're not going to wait for the end of the service and all come and do a big prayer at the end. We'll do that, but don't wait till then because God is going to heal in layers. He's going to meet needs in layers today, okay? Is that all right? All right, so if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to start reading at verses 13 through 15. Amen. The Bible says, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and every, above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Somebody shout the seed. And it the seed somebody shout the seed it the seed shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel but now skipping to John chapter 12 and verses 20 the Bible says and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast the same came therefore to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. They said, we want to see him. But it's almost like Jesus ignores their request, turning back to his disciples in verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, 
the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat. Somebody say the seed. Except a corn of wheat or a seed fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. This morning I want to talk to you about the seed. The seed. Amen. So if you're going to help me preach, I'm going to ask you one more time. If you would, would you just pray with me and just ask God that he would reveal himself in a way like you have never seen him before. So you can leave here saying that I have seen him. Jesus the seed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you. We're thankful for your presence that is already in this house. But Father, we are asking that your living word would preach the written word. I'm asking that it would come off of the page and into our hearts, oh God. I pray, Father, that you would release the gifts, gift of faith mingled with the ministry of the word. But I'm praying as well that the gifts of healing will be released right now into this house. And I pray clarity come. I pray revelation and understanding of who you are and what you have already provided for us will be received in this house. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. And everybody with one hand clap of praise one more time, would you just lift your praise unto God? Lord, we worship you and we're saying amen in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated if you so desire. By his word, God created the heaven and the earth. As powerful as God is, he could not do anything with his mouth shut. He spoke everything into existence but in creation when God spoke the world into existence he also breathed the breath of life into creation and everything that possessed life within creation also possessed the ability to reproduce that life God said to the earth earth bring forth herb yielding seed he spoke to the earth to bring forth grass and herb yielding seed see the seed the concept thereof was that God everything that he put life in within creation he also coupled with it the ability to reproduce that life because God was not going to keep coming down and say let there be let there be after he had already let there be so he created this concept of a seed so that he from a one word that proceeded out of his mouth that that life would be 
perpetual. It would continue. It would remain in motion because that's the law of motion. I've said it here before that the law of motion is simply this, that something that is set in motion will remain in motion until it is acted upon by an equal or greater force. But if God sets something in motion, there is no equal and there is no greater force. So the concept of a seed that God said, I'll give life, but with it the ability to reproduce that life. It is a perpetual principle throughout the word of God. He said to the the fruit tree bearing fruit with seed in itself. He did not stop short that when he had the beast of the field, they had life, but yet the ability to reproduce that life. He said of the fish of the sea that they would have that same concept that they would be able to perpetuate that life. But when it came to Adam and it came to Eve on that sixth day of creation, breathing into their nostrils the breath of life, he coupled with that life the ability to reproduce that life through the seed. But you know the story. Adam and Eve, they done messed up. They ate the fruit and they had fallen away from God. And here comes God walking into the garden. And watch what he said. He starts a conversation with a woman the way most of us men know not to. Woman, what have you done? Now, I tease my wife sometimes because I'll be out traveling. And this, uh, this last year before our, our youngest, Nina, was born, she's a year now, but it was that year while my wife was pregnant that, that she was going into what they call nesting, getting everything ready. And I would come home from traveling, and, and I would see something over in the corner. It was like a table. that it was, uh, uh, it was a new table, but they made it look old so they could make it more expensive. They roughed it up, scratched it up, and, and, and I'll tell you, it, was, it looked old, but I knew it was expensive. So I would come home many times, and I never felt more like God. I said, woman, what have you done but that's how God approaches Eve he said woman what did you do and she says that serpent he beguiled me but first God went to Adam he said Adam you know what's going on he said the woman that you gave me that's half the time how I handle my battles too <laughs> gotta blame somebody but then, woman, what did you do? And she the serpent, he beguiled me. And then God turns to that old serpent in the garden. And he begins, watch this, he begins to curse that serpent. And he said, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And all of a sudden it takes a turn. God in the midst of cursing that old serpent, that he's going to be cursed above every beast and cattle of the field, on his belly shall he go, and dust shall he eat. In the midst of that curse, all of a sudden it shifts. 
lips. And the next verse says in verse 15, and I, Jesus, will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it, the seed, shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So in the midst and in the same breath of Jesus or God in creation cursing the serpent, he gives us the very first promise of a Savior and a Messiah that was going to come and crush his head. Do you hear what I'm saying? In the same breath, he said, yeah, you're cursed, but there is a Savior coming. So not only was this the cursing of a serpent, but this is the very first promise that God gave to us in his word. This is the very first prophecy of a Messiah that was on his way to save us. And I think we ought to thank God for his promise we ought to thank God for the prophecies that yes we had sinned but there's a savior that's on the way but don't miss it because it described the savior in a very particular way that when he promised the very first promise and prophesied the very first prophecy of that Messiah and Savior that would save us from our sin. He, dis- he, he defined him as a seed. A seed. I don't know if you can see that, but that right there is a seed. Because God didn't just want you to have life, but he wanted you to reproduce that life and, and extend that life further than its initial origin. Hear me, the seed, he said there is a Savior coming to save you from your sin. He's going to bring deliverance. He's going to bring healing. He's going to crush the head of the enemy, but he's coming. And here's how you recognize him. He is going to be the seed of a woman. And here, when Jesus comes to a Bethlehem manger, he is born of a virgin the seed of a woman just like the prophecy said but to go even further Galatians says that he is the seed of Abraham and Romans says that he is the seed and the offspring of King David so he came as the seed of a woman he was the seed of Abraham and he was the seed of David hear me he Jesus came as a seed Ah, so here's the thing that even Jesus himself in John chapter 12 and verse 24, when they gathered together, I believe it was the Grecians, they gathered together and the Bible says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast because they liked the songs, they loved what they had felt, but the Greeks were the intellectually interested and they kind of stood on the outside looking in and they had heard about this Jesus that had come working miracles and healing the sick and they came therefore to Philip and they said sir we want to see Jesus so to gather gathered together with the people of God were the intellectually interested they'd heard about this Jesus but they wanted to see him and they went to Jesus and said Jesus they want to see you they said Jesus we got some folks that want to come to church with us They were excited. Legitimately so. 
But when they said, sir, we would see Jesus, they run. Watch what the Bible says, verse 23. And Jesus, or Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. They got together and they said, Jesus, we got some people that are interested in seeing who you really are. And Jesus almost seemingly brushes it off when he says, and Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come. That the Son of Man should be glorified. And watch what he says. Jesus says, if they're going to see me, they're going to see me for who I really am. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, a seed, fall into the ground and die. It abideth alone, but if it die, it's going to bring forth much fruit. So Jesus was saying, if they're going to see me, they've got to see me as a seed. He said, I am that proverbial corn of wheat that's got to fall to the ground and die. So Jesus was making the point that not only am I born of a virgin and a seed of a woman, like the prophecy said, but I am the seed of Abraham. I am in his lineage. I am of the seed of David. And he, in identifying himself, said, I am that corn of wheat. I am that seed that's going to be put in the ground and die and abide alone to bring forth much fruit. So here's what the devil has. The only idea and plan that the devil has. All we got to do is we've got to have the Jews condemn him the romans kill him and crucify him and if we can just get him taken down from that tree if we can just bury him we'll get him but you know as well as i do the devil he ain't too smart because he forgot the prophecy that Jesus was coming as a seed and the best plan that he had was to kill him and lay him in the ground and bury him in a grave and what the devil thought was the end was just the beginning because when he put that when he put Jesus in the ground he forgot that he was a seed so the devil's best plan was to win was to bury a seed but I've got news what he thought was the end was just the beginning of something brand new because he put one seed in the ground and he had many papa so I'm here to tell you what you thought was the end might just be the beginning of something brand new in your world because he is a seed Because you know as well as I do, you can't win when you bury a seed. The best thing you can do with a seed if you want to win is don't let it be buried. But the devil thought the best thing to do is to bury the seed. But I've got news for you. He's a seed. He was that corn of wheat. And what they thought was the end, the devil thought was the end, was just the beginning of brand new. He is and will always be the seed. But my wife, and, I, and this is where I'm headed. My wife, it was a, a while ago, she sent me an article. 
that she was reading. And whenever my wife sends me something, you know it struck a nerve in her. And she, she, I wish she'd send me stuff more often because I'd have a lot better preaching to preach. But she sent me an article, and it was about some seeds that they had found in the Middle East. Now, these seeds in the Middle East, they were seeds that were thousands of years old. They found it in a clay pot. And in the Middle East, over in Israel, they found these thousand-year-old seeds. And they, by looking into the genetics of the seeds, they could see that the seeds belonged to a plant that had now gone extinct. Because the biology and the botany of it all is that you can take a seed and you can look into its genetics before it is even planted and through the genetics there is already a picture painted within the genetics that paints the picture of what that seed will and can produce. It's already there in the seed before it's ever put in the ground. You can see what kind of plant it will produce and what kind of fruit that it will, it will prepare or bear. Fruit, bear, prepare. The seed. So they took these seeds and you know what they did with them? They planted them. And all of a sudden, a plant that had gone extinct resurrected back to life and they named that plant Methuselah and for all the Bible scholars we understand right I'm not saying I'm a Bible scholar who we understand hmm No, but Bible scholars, they understand that Methuselah was the oldest man in the Bible, so they named this plant Methuselah because it was thousands of years old, had gone extinct, but come back to life all through the power of a seed. But the fact that caught my interest was that they could look into the genetics of the seed and see in the genetic code of that seed a pre-planned picture of what that seed can and will produce and what kind of fruit that it would bear. So if we take that same ideology and we apply that to the seed or the body of Christ before he was laid in the grave. We can see him on Calvary and we can understand what kind of fruit that his life and his death will produce in and through us. So how many would like to know what he provided for you through Calvary and through his death on a cross, but yet his burying in a grave and his resurrection to new life? How many would like to see in the genetics of the seed before it's planted what it will produce? The first, if you look at Jesus, the bloody mess that he now was, before he was buried in that grave. The first I want you to understand is that he had upon his head what they called a crown of thorns. And this crown of thorns, it caused him to have a broken and bloody brow. And this is, I believe, representing the type of healing that we can have. Healing that in our minds. Because when he wore that broken and blood, or had that crown with that broken and bloody brow. This was the seed showing us 
that he is going to provide for us the ability to have and live with a right mind. So what I'm saying is that Jesus provided as the seed a means for healing in our mind. That's why he said that be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind because he is not going to ask something of you that he's not going to empower you to accomplish so that when he was buried in the grave, the seed with that broken brow was showing you, I'm going to make a way for you to have a right mind that you don't have to war with thoughts that are not your own, that you don't have to war on your own with thoughts of suicide and depression, that you don't have to live because he provided a way so that you could have a right mind and you didn't have to allow the chemical imbalances to overwhelm you and to take control of your life. So the first healing that is going to flow into this house is a healing in our minds so that we are not held hostage by the thoughts and the chemical imbalances in our brains. Who has not wrestled with thoughts that were not their own? I'm going to head off the lie of that enemy, the devil. I'm going I'm to head off. And I'm going to tell you, these thoughts are not your thoughts. Because one little thing happens and all of a sudden you take that little seed thought that the devil tries to put in there and he, you, you run with it. But I'm here to tell you these thoughts are not your thoughts. And the best laid plan that the devil has is to get you to think that these are your thoughts. And you begin to internalize what you're going through and you begin to self-destruct. But thank God there was a crown of thorns on the seed that was sown. So are you ready for healing in your mind? If you're ready for healing in your mind, I want you to throw both hands up in the air and I want you to just say, I receive healing in my mind. Come on, I release the gift of healing right now. Healing in your mind. That brow was broken for a reason so that you can be healed and have a right mind. Some of us are addicted right now with the chemical things that are going on in our brain. We can't break free from the cycle. But Jesus says, yes, you can. Healing now. Come on, one more time. I want you to lift your hands, and all I want you to do is say, I receive healing right now, and it's sweeping in in this house right now. All across this house, close your eyes, lift your hands, and receive the healing that he's already provided for you. Come on, speak it in faith. I receive it. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. It's a seed, but I receive the seed. Come on, it's happening right now. Let that healing, let that healing come over your mind like a crown of wisdom right now. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus. Now bump your neighbor and tell him those thoughts are not your thoughts. Now are you ready? That's the first level of healing because healing starts first in the mind. But now if you progress downward upon the body, you'll notice that there, the body of Christ, he had two pierced hands. This speaks of healing relationally. Healing within our relationships across the board. And what I mean by that, that on one hand, through his death, he provided for you the ability to receive forgiveness so you could have healing in your relationship with him. And I'm thankful on one hand that was pierced, that he provided for us the ability to receive forgiveness, the healing of our relationship with him. But there wasn't just one pierced hand. There was two. Because on one hand, yes, he did give you the ability to receive forgiveness. But on the other hand, the ability that you might Give forgiveness to those that have hurt you and have done you wrong. That's why he told his disciples when he spoke, teaching, teaching them to pray. He said, pray this, like this. He said, he said, Father, forgive us as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. See, forgiveness is not just in a single uh, isolated incident where you just receive forgiveness. But one hand, you receive forgiveness. But it's not an isolated incident. It's that it's a flow. You receive it that you might extend it to somebody else. But watch what happens. I want everyone to watch me because I'm making motions with my hands. They're going to make a lot of sense here in a second. See, you, on one hand, you receive that forgiveness. And then it flows to you and then is to flow from you. But if you don't allow it to flow from you and you close this hand, it closes this hand as well. See, when you don't forgive those that have did what they have done to you, you close the other hand and you no longer can receive the forgiveness that you need so you can remain in relationship, right relationship with him. So it's not just enough on one hand for you to be forgiven, but it's you that you might extend to those that said what they said and made you feel about this small. You've got to allow them to be forgiven and allowed to flow from you, not just to you. Father, forgive us as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. And that is going to be healing in our relationships. Not just with God, but with each other, with our family, with our loved ones. There are going to be relationships restored that have been severed for years. Yea, I even prophesy decades that God is going to mend today. 
But here's the thing. I want to say this real quick because many times we think that we only have to forgive for the big stuff. But I want to say that we should also forgive for the little things that they probably didn't mean that. And we just brush things off that upset us. And we brush things off that upset our peace. Hear me. It's the little things that are going to get the best of you if you don't know how to forgive quickly and frequently. There are little things if somebody says something to me and it just kind of, it's off-putting. I don't just brush it off and say, well, they probably didn't mean that. No, I'll go home and I will pray and I'll say, God, they may have not meant it, but it's not about them. It's about me. So I'm going to pray that God forgive them. They probably didn't mean it, but I don't want that in my spirit because the Bible talks about a root of bitterness you know where roots come from seeds seeds are small but they grow so you cannot allow a seed of unforgiveness to lodge in your heart no, no matter how large or how small because even if people didn't mean it and they just kind of, and they had they were perfect intentions, but it still upset you. Here's what you got to do. You've got to forgive and you've got to release them. Why? Because forgiveness is not about them being guilty. It's about me being free. So it's not about them. It's about me being free. So I say, Father, forgive me as I forgive them because I don't want anything in the soil of my soul that can make me bitter and ruin relationships in my world. Ah. So are you ready? I want you to lift your hands right now. And I just want you to say, Father, I receive healing in my relationships horizontally right now father help me to forgive father help me to release them so that I can be free father in the name of Jesus I forgive them that hurt me I forgive them for decades past I forgive them for leaving when they left. The pain that they caused me. I forgive them. And I receive healing right now, Jesus. I release healing in this house. Somebody, God is restoring your relationship with him. Now I'd ask that you'd ask forgiveness. Would you pray it right now? Say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me if I've done anything wrong. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for the, the things that I've done and in the, the way that I've treated people. I, I want that forgiveness so that I can extend that forgiveness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody after this service, you're going to go call somebody and you're going to make it right. Somebody, you're going to reach over the aisle to somebody that you've known for years and you didn't think that you had a problem. But then you realize when you started praying that there was not the same kind of relationship that we used to have.
And some say, you know, well, you can't forgive God. And I'll let Pastor Hill, he'll, he'll be the, 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 the main final judgment on this through the word of God. But some people, they say, well, you can't forgive God. He never did anything wrong. But it's not, forgiveness is not about placing guilt on a guilty party. Forgiveness is about me being free from ideals and preconceived ideas of how things are supposed to be and how it's supposed to be treated. So when God, he doesn't do life like you thought he ought to. When you say, God, I forgive you, it's not saying, God, you're guilty. It's saying, God, I want to be free from the preconceived ideas of how I thought it ought to have been. The disappointments that God has allowed into your life to discipline you, not destroy you. You've got to say, God, I give it to you and I forgive you because I didn't understand what was going on in my life and in that season. I didn't understand the loss, the pain, and the power that it now has over me. But I want to be free. So, Father, I forgive you, not because you are guilty, but because I want to be free from the disappointments that have devastated me. One more time, real quick. I just feel that merits another, another way. Father, we receive it right now, the healing in our relationship with you and things that we didn't understand. That's it. Speak it. I forgive you, Father, because I didn't understand it, Lord Jesus, right now. Are you ready for another level? We're just going to go a little bit further now. If you look at the body of the seed, you'll find out if you continue to travel downward, you'll find in his side. The Bible says that there was a Roman spear that pierced his side. And the seed went into the grave with an open side. But the Bible said that out of that side, Sister Dop, flowed blood and water. You know what medically that reveals for, to us? Medically, for blood to flow out of your side, it means that when that Roman spear went into his side, it punctured his cardiac sac. Because when your heart goes under such traumatic stress, the cardiac sac begins to fill with fluid in an effort to preserve itself. So the heart going under such traumatic stress had filled to the place that when that Roman spear went into its side, it emptied itself of blood and water. So you know what that reveals? That Jesus' heart and cardiac sac was filled with fluid because it was under such traumatic stress. So what that means is the seed, he died of a broken and he was buried in the grave with a broken heart so that you didn't have to live with yours. His heart was broken on the cross and at Calvary. His heart was literally rent in two because he would not have you to live with the brokenness of heart that you've had to live with, but did not know that the seed provided for you the healing of that broken heart. This speaks of emotional healing. That's why Jesus... The seed. You ready? 
The seed in Luke chapter 4 and 18 says, This is my goal. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. But He never told us how He was going to do it. That He would be broken in heart so that He could heal yours. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Watch what this says. To preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind. Did you know a broken heart can steal your vision? Did you know a broken heart and disappointment could rob you of of a vision for your future, that there's hope, that there are things that he has for you down the line? You can have a broken heart literally strip you of everything that you were looking forward to. So to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Did you know you can be bound by a bruise? What's a bruise? A bruise is a wound underneath the surface. It's hurt on the inside. And some of you in this house are carrying around wounds on the inside that are underneath the surface and nobody might not even know about it. But there is a God in heaven that knew before you were ever wounded, that knew before you were ever emotionally damaged by some degree or another, by the life that you lived and the houses you were raised in and the past that you came from. I'm telling you the seed with a broken heart that bled for you that you might be set free from the bruises that nobody knows about the emotional scars and wounds that you have been living with and trying to just cope with he said no I provided for you a way out of the bruises and the broken heart so I wonder if there's somebody in here that you in some way some form or fashion have been wounded emotionally somewhere through the life that you've lived. Some kind of father figure, some kind of mother or sibling spoke an ill word that nobody even knew that it cut you like it did, but it still stings when you talk to them. Hear me, there are broken, there's brokenness in this house that you have buried so deep that you don't even think that it's there anymore because it's not in your conversation, but yet it's still in your consciousness. So are you ready to receive what his broken heart provided for you? Are you ready? I'm telling you, this is going to be a very deep emotional healing that happens in this house. Because a lot of times... What you're facing right now is you're just projecting your past onto your present and it's ruining relationships. See, it's all tied together. It starts with the mind, then it's healing in the relationships, but it's at the emotional center of who you are that has been wounded that's allowing you to perpetually ruin relationships because you don't know how to handle them without the baggage of the hurt that's been done wrong. Are you ready to be healed emotionally? I want you to lift your 
hands right now. And what the seed provided for you through his broken heart, you're going to be set free and be at liberty from the bruises that have held you bound. So I want you to lift your hands and just say, Father, I receive healing now in my emotional arena. Come on, say, I receive it. I receive your broken heart so that mine can be healed right now. That's it. There's healing happening all over this house right now. Would you, would you let your guard down? Would you let your, your side be open so that God can expose your heart for a moment there be, for there to be healing now? Come on, use your voice right now. Come on, you don't have to bury, carry around that baggage of a broken heart anymore. Healing. I release the gift of healing for the broken heart. I release the gift of healing right now in the name of Jesus for the emotional arena, oh God. In the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus right now. We receive healing in our emotions in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? We're just taking a moment. These are, these are layers. These are layers. These are layers. Because listen, God does not want you just to be healed. He wants you to be whole. He didn't leave anything out when he was buried in the grave. You're going to leave here a different person. I hope you know that right now. And it doesn't make me nervous that you're quiet because when people's having surgery, they ain't saying much. But notice, everything into this point has been underneath the surface. Because that's how the seed works. The seed always begins to work in the unseen before it ever breaks through the soil into the scene. It always grows roots downwards before it bears fruit upward. So everything up to this point has been in the unseen. But the next part of the seed, you'll notice that on his back, he wore 39 stripes. And the Bible said that by his stripes, what's a stripe? They latched, they, they took a, a whip to his back and it broke open a stripe. So 39 stripes on his back, open up, back looked like a hamburger. But he took every one of those, Peter says, by his stripes ye were healed. And I believe that this is healing in our physical body. Are you ready for healing in your physical body? He said, by his stripes ye were healed. That's past tense. That means it's already done. It's already been pre-planned. It's already pre-packaged. It's already been done. You just have to come in agreement with what, his, what Calvary and the cross provided for you. But here's the cool thing about it. You ready? What's the significance of 39 stripes? Well... The World Health Organization 
in 2010, they changed the ICD coding system. Now, if there's any nurses or caregivers, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've studied it and read it, and I've got it on my phone. I'm just going to go from what I know right now, okay? So you can talk to me afterward. But the ICD coding system, it's what they used to categorize diseases. And in 2010, the World Health Organization changed their ICD coding systems from a category of, I believe it was 17 categories of deadly diseases to 39 categories of deadly diseases. Because they finally just caught up with what Christ had done thousands of years ago. Because he had 39 stripes as the seed on his back. He had a stripe for every disease that you could ever have in your broken body. He had a stripe for cancer. He had a stripe for diabetes. He had a stripe for multiple sclerosis. He had a, he had a stripe for lymphoma. He had a stripe. Hear me. He had a stripe on his his back for everything that could go wrong in your body and when he was laid in the grave he took those stripes with him so that you could have healing in your broken body and he can do anything he can do all things to heal your broken I'll say it like this I've shared this I shared this I shared this at Deer River, and pastor's going to be my witness. I shared this at Deer River. And there was, a, there was an elder gentleman that was there, and he was sitting there, and his shoulder was paralyzed. Is he here today? Look at his hand. His shoulder was paralyzed. But as I was preaching about the 39 stripes, I just kind of, in passing, I put my hand on his shoulder, and he said he felt something in his shoulder, and he lifted his hands, and God did a miracle in that man's body. I'm telling you, the seed, he brought healing. The seed brought healing for your physical body. So it doesn't matter what's going on in your world. He can heal that body. But before we pray for physical healing in our body, there needs to be one more healing so we can receive such a drastic healing as one in our physical bodies. That was supposed to be subtle, guys. They caught me. But many times when I talk about physical healing, we can proclaim healing for the stuff on the inside that nobody can see, and we can just say it's done, and we can believe it. But when it actually starts getting into the scene, the physical, we struggle. Why? Because there was one more wound in the body of Christ, the seed. And that wound was in his feet. 
But watch. Why this is significance. I believe this is healing for our faith. Because many times we hear, hear a promise from God's word. But it doesn't happen immediately. And we go through life and there's more pain. And we have more sickness. And what happens is our faith becomes damaged. Our faith becomes eroded over the long haul. If it's not re renewed day by day. So what Jesus did while he was on the cross. Did you know for his body to be able to hang on that tree. That they had to pierce his, his feet. As well as his hands. But what they did was they would overlap his feet. And they would take a six to nine inch nail. And they would, you know, you ever heard of nine inch nails? You know where they got that from? Blasphemy. But they would take that six to nine inch nails. And they would drive it through the thickest part of the foot. the heel. This was Jesus saying to every one of you, remember the promise that I made to you? The very first promise I gave to you, I've not forgotten it. Devil, you may bruise my heel, but I through the bruising of my heel, I'm going to crush your head. What Jesus was saying when his, he, his foot was pierced and his heel was bruised, he was saying, I have not forgot what I promised you. I have not forgot what I told you I would do for you. And if I'd said it a thousand years ago and I'm fulfilling it today, I'm telling you, God has remembered every promise that he has ever made to you. And he is going to bring it to pass and it starts today. Jesus is going to heal your faith because many of you said, God, what about my children? What about the promise you made to me? What about healing in my body? What about, and with that final nail, he said, I will never forget a promise that I've made to my people. Would you please stand with me all over this house? For this final healing in your body and in your faith, I'm going to ask in a moment for you to take that step of faith and we're going to come up to this front and we're going to pray together. But the only thing that the seed requires of the soil because He created you from the dust of the earth. You are the soil. You are the perfect environment for the seed to come and dwell. But the only requirement that you have to the seed to receive him fully is to be broken. 
Many times the prophets would say, break up the fallow ground. Because it's brokenness, hear me church, it's brokenness that enables you to receive of the seed. So you that are here that are hurting, you that are here that are broken, the brokenness you despised, the brokenness you didn't understand, it's that same brokenness that has now it's enabled you to receive the seed. That's all he requires from you. Is just be broken and be open and be honest with him. So in a moment, I want you right now, would you do this for me? Would you reach over to your spouse? Would you reach over to your neighbor? Would you reach over to your guest that's with you? And I want you to reach over to them. And I want you to understand that that's the soil that God is looking for. And everyone that raised their hands that they had a need, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to bring that need right now up to this front.